0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Vegan Protein's Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny, And this is our 47th episode.
1: So we're just going to dive right in. This was a highly requested episode about people who want to get into the coaching industry or deeper into the fitness industry and want some advice on how to do that and to hear a little bit about how it is that we're able to do this full time. And it's something that I talk to my clients about almost every single day. I have so many clients who are themselves in the fitness industry. And it seems actually like that's a a large portion of our audience. Is other vegan coaches or personal trainers or nutritionists. Which is like really cool and super flattering. And if you're listening and you're in that industry. Like we see you. We have nothing but respect for you. And we're hoping that some of the insight that we can uh, offer up on this podcast can be helpful
0: to you. This has got to be one of my favorite topics right here because Mm. it's pretty much like how did we come to be with what we do with coaching you know i mean you got a whole story to tell with that and you know it's not as simple as well just know the information and give it to people and you're a coach like Mm. (laughs) it seems that way before you you really start to dig into it but you and i both know better and I'm sure many of you out there understand that. Or, or... are learning it now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So
1: a lot of people say, hey, what certifications should I get? And I totally get it because I remember when I first started this, like I that was super important to me was getting like the right certifications because I thought if I went through the right course, then I'd have the right knowledge at the end to help people. And do not misunderstand me. There are great certifications out there. Uh, And there are terrible certifications out there. And never, ever, ever forget that certification is a business in and of itself. (laughs) And uh, you're the client when you're signing up for them. But even the best course in the world isn't actually likely to arm you with the tools to do this job. And there's only one thing that will arm you with the tools to do this job, and that is experience.
0: We love teaching just as much as we love writing customized programs for vegans who are into fitness. With our vegan fat loss course, you get the benefit of both. Not only do you get custom macros and also a workout plan, we explain the whys and hows of fat loss throughout our entire self-guided 12-week course. You will have monthly check-ins throughout the plan so that we can update and adjust your macros if needed to make sure you get the results you're looking for. You'll receive exclusive access to our VIP area on veganproteins.com, where you'll have access to our private menu planner and other tools. With a combination of self guided curriculum, hands on monthly updates, and access to our private coaching community, you'll be set up for success from the moment you sign up. If your goal is to learn all about how to efficiently lose fat on a vegan diet and apply it to your lifestyle, then this is the course for you. If you're interested in learning more about and signing up for our 12 week vegan fat loss course, you can visit veganproteins.com or use the link in our show notes or you can submit a coaching inquiry by hitting the coaching tab on veganproteins.com. Reach out anytime as we always look forward to hearing from you. Mhm. But it is important to get started and get your certifications. You know, you want to be doing that because I mean, hey, if you're going to be coaching others yeah, it's helpful to have experience, but to have the knowledge and to have uh, an organization give you a certificate showing that you've taken that course and taken the time to learn and, and apply that knowledge towards testing, that matters, you know? So do, do go out there. So I'm, I'm trying to think of the different ones that are available now. I mean, there's so many. Step one, or at least it should be part of step one, is in fact getting certified.
1: Because education is important, and it's important to understand you know biomechanics of a human being and nutritional principles and how our body metabolizes this that and the other like that's all good stuff to know but that does not help joe Schmo who wants to lose 20 pounds like that is only going to come with experience and how do you get started in that in general and i think the interesting thing about the fitness industry is like there is no one path. Like, there's no specific set way to do it. And if you asked 20 uh, quote unquote successful people in the fitness industry, I bet you they all got there a different way. Like, there's no one, like, you wanna become a doctor, here's how you do it. Here's mm-hmm. how you wanna become a massage therapist, here's how you do it. There's a clear path. You wanna become a successful coach here's 50 different ways to do it. And knowing that, like just understanding that, I think takes off so much pressure.
0: Yeah, it's true. I'm I'm trying to think about well then obviously there's got to be some direction to take, right? And I think the first thing I think the first thing to work on doing is before you're out there preaching to others what to do, you have to lead by example. You have to practice what you preach basically.
1: Yeah, and I think that this, you know, like Giacomo said, getting certified can be a good first step. Maybe it's not like the most practical thing in the world, but you'll figure out really quickly if you're passionate about this or not while you're in those courses. If you're halfway through one and you're like, I actually can't stand this topic then maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> but if you're halfway through it and you're like, this is so super fascinating. I can't wait to apply this to an actual human being.
0: Well, that's a good sign. I'm trying to think. I mean, there there are coaches out there that coach others to do things they haven't done before. You don't necessarily have to, you know, engage in the sport or the diet to coach another person to do just the same. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And actually it's a that could be it's, I mean, and I think maybe we have done this podcast episode. I don't know. This is probably my biggest pet peeve is that people choose their coach based on hmm. that coach's accomplishments. And that's like legitimately one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Yeah. Like the coach of the Patriots Could never outdo Tom Brady that doesn't mean that he's not like an outstanding coach I said that like I know anything about football I don't actually know anything about football but you get the point like I've seen these coaches (laughs) that coach these humongous um national sports league teams and it's like they're not better at the sport than their athletes
0: they're just outstanding coaches and maybe I'm biased here against you maybe I'm not I'm not entirely sure but I do believe that it's helpful to have some experience in the field as an individual before you coach others. Like if, you know, if you're going to coach someone nutrition, you should have tried some of the things that you're going to tell someone else to do on yourself. Like you should be your own guinea pig first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To a degree. Um, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, we're way ahead of ourselves here. People just want to know how to get into the industry.
0: All (laughs) All right. Let's back up.
1: Yeah. Let's back up. Get certified. See if you actually like this. Um, after that, I would recommend try to try to get a job at a gym. Um, I said, you know, step one was like, you need experience, right? No one gets hammered like a personal trainer on a gym floor. Mm. They just get hammered with people uh, of from all walks of life, you know? And uh, that's kind of the thing is a lot of us get into this because we want to work with a certain type of person, right? But when you're starting out, you don't have the luxury. Think of a tattoo artist, right? Like those hugely famous tattoo artists that have their style and they do just this one thing. They probably didn't start that way. They probably had to do every single butterfly tramp stamp and tribal tattoo that walked in the door regardless, just to earn their chops. And working on a gym floor uh, can be a lot like that. You don't get to work with your special demographic. Like you work with Everybody who got their free startup session, you get to work with, you know, uh, high school football players and 70 year old geriatrics with busted shoulders. And you have to learn how to work with all of them. And, uh, that's a really good way to get experience. The pay is not good and the hours are not good. It's the crack of dawn and rush hour, um, but, man, do you learn a lot. And, again, you'll learn if you like this or not. Mm-hmm. Before you invest all of these, like, startup costs into, you know, starting your own business. You just get to work for somebody else, learn the trade, and kind of find your footing.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, I mean these, these days, it's hard to say, right, we're referring to online coaching or in-person coaching. But, you know... I think there's it definitely is some value to having people to coach in person, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I don't want to say coach per se because when you're working at a gym, I, I think it's more personal more, training. Yeah, you're more there. There is an ongoing relationship there. And where what, what what what
1: would you say is the difference between personal training and coaching? Because I think the difference is immense. But I want to hear what you have to say.
0: Oh yeah, I mean this is just like a can of vegan gummy worms that you opened up, but. <laughs> I think when it comes to personal training, in my experience, because I have done this for years on end in gyms, you're with that person while you're there, and you give them your all during that session. And there is some in-between where you're telling them what to do, and they're coming back, and they're accountable to you on your next session. But really, they're looking for someone that's going to put a pep in their step during that session. Uh, I do think there's an advantage for personal training when it comes to showing someone how to lift there's no substitute for being able to ask someone if you can adjust their form. Um, you know, and I mean, to be able to watch,
1: up. to be able to watch an athlete move from every angle. Mm-hmm. There is no substitution for that. Or if it's a bodybuilding client, to watch them pose in person. Mm-hmm. Huge,
0: major. Mm-hmm. But you know where where you lack the ability to really connect and help others with being a personal trainer is that. It, it's really it starts and stops for the most part during that one session. Whereas when it comes to coaching, you are literally building a relationship with your client. Uh, it's very emotionally taxing and also rewarding. You really get to know one another. And once you figure out someone's the magic formula for someone's lifestyle and how to get them to apply fitness to it in a balanced way, once you crack that code, there's really no stopping that person's potential. And I think that's the beauty of coaching. It's an art form, really. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I started personal training others in gyms, but that's not how you got started. How did you get into it?
1: So I actually started the way I think a lot of people start, which is just helping their friends and family out. Friends and family say, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. Like, can you help me? Can you do this or that? And uh, no certifications, no nothing. Just my own knowledge, um, which did include a lot of research that I had done on my own because that's just who I am. I'm a nerd. (laughs) Um, So I would write meal plans for like my brother or my mother or my friends um, and take them to the gym with me and show them how to lift. But I had no certifications. Um, But it was a lot of um, practice with that, I guess. But it was kind of like I'd write them a meal plan and just like send them on their way, but they were my friends, so I'd hear from them. But I would never really tweak them or change them or anything. I would just be like, here's the meal plan, and send them off. And then when I moved to Portland, Oregon with you in 2008, I got an internship with a gym, and they paid for my certifications. So to back up, this is something that happens at a lot of gyms. I said you could start in a gym, and if you do start in a gym, a lot of times, even if you're not certified, they will help you get certified. So that's an option for a lot of people. So they paid for my certification with AFA, I believe, um, personal training and group training, which I never ever used. Um, But yeah, there was a very slow gym, so there wasn't a lot of training people, but I was still doing my fitness thing and occasionally giving fitness advice and nutrition advice to people. And then actually my good friend, Sarah Russert, second podcast in a row. We've mentioned her now, hmm. uh, vegan bodybuilder. She reached out to me and said, I want to do a bodybuilding show. Like basically, you know more about nutrition than anyone else. Will you help me? And I was like, oh, cool. Yes, I will help you. So for free, And this is what, this is what I tell everybody who asks me for free. I worked with Sarah and basically said, yeah, I'll totally do this. Just like let, let people know that this is, that I helped you. Right. And at this point I was not looking to make this my career at all, but Sarah was so successful with her bodybuilding prep, um, and her transformation was so awesome and this that, that people started asking me left and right, can you write me a meal plan? Can you write me a meal plan? Um, it helped that Sarah had some kind of a following for, you know, for 2008, she had some kind of a following. She had just won the Donut Wars on the Food Network, um, which is pretty awesome. In case you didn't know that about Sarah, how cool is that? Uh, but the point was, this was my first time actually like, okay, we're going to check in every week. I, had, I knew enough about bodybuilding And I had studied enough about bodybuilding to start sort of practicing on somebody. And I practiced on her. And this was my beginning of building a coaching relationship with somebody. And after that, lots of people, just word of mouth, started asking for meal plans. So I started writing meal plans for people. Um, Actually, like an overwhelming amount of people started asking for meal plans. This was back in 2011, Mm -hmm. I believe. And that was also a huge amount of practice there. Also around the same time, I did get certified with Cornell, the plant-based course that they have there and precision nutrition as well. So even though I kind of talked some shit about certifications at the beginning, there are some good ones and there are uh, some really valuable ones, but I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen that have those certifications that have never done anything with them because they can't. They have nobody to practice on. So here's my advice. If I have one piece of advice for you to take away from this, if you are just trying to get your foot in the door as a coach, coach a few people for free and just have them, you know, yeah, if anybody asks, just tell them I helped you out and send them my information. That is the number one reason that vegan proteins is what it is today. So at Sarah Russert for that. But to this day, I still have a handful of people that I coach for free um, with that caveat. Like, yeah, if anyone asks, just say it was me. Now I'm in a place where I get to pick exactly who I want to do that with, so.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of Omar, Omar Yusuf. Mm-hmm. And he was saying the same thing, like, even though, you know, he's gotten to the point where he doesn't have to coach anyone for free, he has all this success in the right. fitness industry, but he still chooses to because he thinks it's important to give back, you know, and provide that coaching experience for others. Just for the yeah. sheer, um, you know, for for the sheer love of the game, mm-hmm. basically.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree. Like we don't, we don't have to do that. We're full. We're full all the time. But I still like to do it because I still like what I do, and that's important. That's a separate topic. But so. After you get some certifications, find some people and coach them for free. Now, let's talk about what it actually means to be a coach because we had some missteps. When I look back at that first bodybuilding prep for Sarah, I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I put you through that girl because at the time I didn't really know what I was doing. And I think that's important for a lot of people to know is they think that in order to help someone you need to know everything right now. And no, because um, you don't, and nobody does know everything. And that's the most important thing. You take like some of the smartest people in the coaching world. I mean, you look at like a uh, Eric Helms or something like that, for example. I'm sure he still has the occasional client that stumps him for a minute and he kind of beats his head against the wall and uh, has to back up and try to figure it out like nobody knows everything about everybody you just can't so you have to do the best you can with the knowledge that you have but you always have to be honest about it if you don't know you have to say hey I don't know for sure if this is going to work I have an idea let's give it a try what do you think.
0: Yeah. You know, I think when I first started coaching, which was a couple of years after you, I mean, I had the prior experience, but I, I wasn't coaching with vegan proteins. Right. And I started doing one-on-ones with, with our store. And the the thing that I got into was like, well, I want to have conviction when I do. I want to have confidence in these decisions that I make for clients. And so I'm like, all right this is the right move. And the more that I've done this, I've come to learn and realize like, there, there is no cut and dry. There is no, this is the right move. It's just, it's trial and error really. And the longer you work with someone, the better it gets. And I think it just takes time to learn somebody and to apply, you know, and, and when people, co- when with my coaches, like when I'm coach, I say the same thing to to my coach. I'm like, hey, listen, I, you're not bodybuilder Jesus. I know that we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna make missteps. I don't think that your word is gospel. I think that we have to try some things and figure out what does and doesn't work. And here's another crazy thing. What works on you today may not want work on you in five years. And mm-hmm. we have to accept that about ourselves. Because people like to go back to the plan or the you know, the macros that they did and like, well not working this time around. There's so many variables and you know mm-hmm the that's why i say coaching really is an art cuz it's it's ever evolving and you constantly have to look at the big picture and what that client is going through and piece it all together and make the best decision you can and and realize you're going to make mistakes and there's nothing wrong with that it's it's a matter of figuring out what be- what direction to continue to take
1: yeah and when someone starts paying you for your services i feel like there's a lot more pressure right There's a, there's way more pressure when someone has put their money, they've bet, they've bet their money on you basically. And that's a lot of pressure to make sure that you get this person some results. So if you're not quite there yet, if you're not quite in a place where you feel confident enough to do that, spend some more time coaching some people for free and give the advice out to people for free. And so many business people are terrified to like put their information out there because I don't know, they're afraid someone's gonna steal it. And I remember when I was like newer and I was afraid people were gonna steal my techniques and stuff like that as well. And now I just understand that the more that I can help people for free, kind of for like no skin off my nose. It doesn't cost me anything to give someone a quick answer. I can't tell you how many questions I answer in my Instagram DMs, not clients, not people I know. They ask me a question, I'm gonna, I am gonna. send them a video response because it takes me two seconds to do that. And it might like make someone's day or help them out a lot. But give your information freely because you will learn from giving out information freely to other people. You might not always be right. But it's a learning experience. And then when somebody is willing to bet on you and pay you, you know, you gotta give that person everything you got. You have to, you don't just take their money, write them a meal plan and send them on their way. Which is (laughs) what we did shortly after I started um, coaching Sarah was we, people would say, hey, will you write me a meal plan? Will you write me a meal plan? So I was like, oh, we gotta like sell a meal plan because Mm -hmm. that's what people want. And to this day, 10 years later, that is still what people want, but I refuse to do it now, and here's why. A meal plan is just that. It may work for somebody short term, but no one meal plan or no one set of macros even is gonna work for somebody forever. At least with macros, you have some food flexibility, Um, but a meal plan is not gonna work for somebody forever, and it felt like shit to me To send somebody off with that and realize, like, I may never hear from that person again. For all I know, that person took the meal plan that was intended to help them lose 10 pounds. And they're eating it to this very day. Like, we don't know. I have no idea. And I didn't like that. That didn't feel good. That didn't feel like coaching to me. Because it wasn't coaching. So if you find somebody that sells meal plans. I don't want to say they're, like, a bad person or anything like that. Um... But it's a cash cow without a lot of work being put into it. Like, who, who's just trust me, it's kind of a cop-out moneymaker mm. that is only going to help somebody for a really short period of time. That is not a coach. Somebody who writes meal plans only is not a
0: coach. But being able to write meal plans is a skill that you need and you need to develop. Yep. So what I recommend doing as far as like getting down to your bottom line and figuring out just how to get the skills and, and get better at them. Yes, you can help others. Yes, you can give out information out freely to, to whomever's asking. And those are great. But behind the scenes in your office, you should be trying to write meal plans. Practice. Just practice writing meal plans Practice writing workouts, it's as simple as this. Write down two or three 1,500 calorie meal plans, 2,000 calorie meal plans, 3,000 calorie meal plans. Write 10 meal plans out. It might take you a whole weekend. It might, Hell, it might take you a whole week. But after you, every time you do it, you will get faster and faster at it and you will prove to yourself that you can do it. Same thing with workouts. Write a four day split, write a three day split, write a five day split, write, write a workout for strength, a workout for hypertrophy, a mix of the two. Have a little portfolio where you do these things on your own and you practice and you get better at it so that way when it when it's time to go live and help somebody, you don't panic. You know that you can do this. and
1: And, I- and you also don't have to start from absolute scratch with every single client because you have these – they're not cookie-cutter meal plans. They're not cookie-cutter workouts, but they're like templates, mm. almost that you can change certain variables to fit the person – And they're still based on sound principles. Like you don't have to reinvent the wheel for every single person, but you do need to individualize every single program that you send out, whether it's a meal plan or a training program.
0: Yeah. What we like to do is we literally, we insist that clients who come to us tell us what kind of foods they like. And I'm telling you, it happens more often than you would think. People do not even tell us what they like to eat. Where they're, they're like,
1: like, "I'll eat anything you tell me to." I'm like, "No, <laughs> I need
0: to know. I, I'm not building your meal plan until you tell me what you enjoy. Do you do you like vegetables? Do you like beans? Do you like pizza? Give me something to go off of. And I need more than that. Like, what kind of fruit do you like? The I'll do whatever it takes. Attitude is great and all, but I need to make a meal plan that someone's gonna follow. Cause I tell you what, every once in a while I piece somebody. And I'm like, "All right, I'm just gonna give you like." yeah but i but I overshot like I you know, I'm like, yeah, you did. We need to know what how you like to eat my friend mm-hmm. so yeah,
1: um, so once you like actually have a couple paying clients or so, I think the most important thing, see the funny thing about this podcast is I know what people are expecting, <sighs> they want to know all the resources, mm. and we will give you resources. We're gonna give you resources at the end of this podcast, but the resources and like being the most evidence-based that you could possibly be. It's not even like, it's not even in like the top five most important parts of being a coach. Like number one, number one, number freaking one thing about being a good coach is you have to actually care about your client.
0: I knew it. I knew that's what you got. I was like, please say it. Please say it. You said have it. <laughs> to
1: actually care. These are not little money-making machines for you. These are actual human beings, and you should be goddamned honored. Somebody wants you to have, essentially have your hand in their life. And I feel like it's very, very easy to let your business, and it is a business, and I understand that, but it's easy to let the business side of things just run everything and like automate too many things. And then it's not a personal relationship anymore. So, number one thing is you have to care. Number two thing is you have to be responsive. Uh, Man, I've worked with a few coaches where, like, sometimes they'll send them something. I won't hear from them for a week. And you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. And as a client, I know what that feels like Mm -hmm. and how stressful that is. Um, There have been times where I really, really needed to talk about something or other and... I couldn't like, I just knew I wasn't going to hear back from my person and there's nothing worse than sending an email to somebody that you've sent money to usually like a pretty decent chunk of money to, to not hear back from them. So like I'm huge on responsiveness. I'm not going to say like a message doesn't ever slip through the cracks. Um, cause it absolutely does when you're working with technology, like that happens and all of our coaching is online. So, you know, occasionally an email will get lost here or there, but over the years, Um, our responsiveness to clients has gotten better and better and better and better to now, aside from the weekends, if someone sends me a check-in, they will hear from me within 24 hours. And if I have to take a day off for something, I let those people who check in on that day know. And, uh, you know, some people would argue that maybe we're even a little bit, like, too responsive. Maybe we should, like, back off or set better office hours for ourselves or something. But again, like, especially when you're getting into it, that's the thing is it's a labor of love. You're on like 24-7 if you're trying to start like an online business. If you're doing in-person coaching, it's a little bit different. You have to have certain office hours, but like I can answer someone's email in my underwear.
0: Yeah, and and sometimes we do.
1: (laughs) Sometimes we sure do.
0: But anyway, yeah, and, and, you know, responsiveness is great at all. However, there also needs to be something to it. You literally need to be, I don't want to say bleeding out, but you need to be giving of yourself. If you're just giving, like, a quick one to two sentence response or a quick you know, 20-second mess audio message to somebody, it's not enough. Like, you really need to dig into that person's mm-hmm. life with them and their week and see how they went w- with things. Now here, uh, I don't know if we're, we're going on steps here and, and maybe you had this in mind already. No, waiting. I don't have a plan. A plan. Well, uh, well, one other thing I wanted to add to the mix over here is that while it is technically the client's responsibility to check in with you, if you don't hear from that client, check in with them. And mm. this is easier said than done, and I know it's Way kind easier of a pain. Said than done. Yeah, but we have our list of clients and we expect check-ins from all of them, especially our regulars. If so, it means the world.
1: I have a policy actually, mm. especially if it's somebody who always checks in really regularly. If I if they miss one check-in, I just let it go. It happens. Sometimes I miss a check-in with my coach. If they miss one check-in, I'll just let it go. If they miss two check-ins, they're going to hear from me. If it's somebody who's continuously not checking in, however, like continuously not checking in, they get like one, hey, how's it going? Checking in on you. Haven't heard from you. Maybe two, like as a grace. And then after that, it's on them because yes, it is the coach's responsibility to follow up and like kind of poke somebody and be like, Hey, you hired me to keep you accountable. Like here I am at your doorstep. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Um, but it is not the coach's job to absolutely babysit somebody and have to track them down.
0: You know, I, yeah, I, so the part of me just dis- disagrees with you was overpowered by the part of me that agrees with you because if you keep doing that with your client, what you're telling them is that their behavior is excusable yep. and that basically they don't have to work for it. So in one sense, I'm saying to myself, well, yes, they're, they're, they're hiring us for accountability. And so we need to give them accountability no matter what. But on the other end, it's like, if you keep doing that, you're telling them it's okay not to work. And it's really not. Mm-hmm. So I hear you there. Yeah. Some other stuff I want to talk about as far as good habits to develop your coaching skills would be to keep records of what you do. You know, take notes oh on my your God. clients. Yeah. I think yeah, that's major. Yeah,
1: because at first, like, when I had one or two people, I could, I could just remember. I could remember exactly what we were doing and why we were doing it and what things we had coming up. It was pretty easy. And then several years back, I remember, like, I was like, oh, I have, like, 20 clients. Like... Shit, I can't remember what so and so's competition date is supposed to be, and I didn't write it down. Now I'm like such an avid note taker because I know at this point that if I don't write something down, I won't forget the conversation we had because I, because again, see rule number one like you have to care. So if I'm talking to somebody about something, I care. Um, but sometimes I'll forget like the details. Someone's going on vacation on a certain date. Like, what date was that? I have no idea. When did I say we were going to do this diet break? I can't. I know we're doing one. I can't remember when I said we were going to do it. Notes. Take good notes.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also the same way we keep data on ourselves and we don't remember how our bodies reacted a year ago to something. I, I, you know, we should be doing the same as coaches for other people. We want to look at how something worked for or didn't work for someone three months ago or one year ago, whatever. And it helps to have those records too, not just the recent records to, to put ourselves back into that conversation. You know, because you have whatever your, your client load is, these, these people, you're, they're, they're in your head. You know what I mean? Like you're thinking about them all the time. So having some fresh notes to, uh, to get back into, into it with them and not just their feedback for the week, that helps too.
1: as a listener of this podcast you're probably very interested in the science and the why behind why we do things in the gym and with nutrition the way that we do and we really wanted to take a minute to recommend to you folks a publication called mass which stands for monthly applications in strength sport it is the leaders in the industry sifting through thousands of studies to handpick the most relevant information for lifters. And they are not just looking at one study at a time, but looking at hundreds of studies all together in meta-analysis, which is when you study all the studies to tell us basically what the science says about various aspects of lifting, nutrition, training, recovery, and sleep so if you're tired of wasting time reading a dozen of conflicting opinions about every facet of training and nutrition but you don't have 40 free hours a month to keep up with the research for yourself and you're serious about learning how to optimize your training nutrition and recovery practices for the best results mass is the best investment that you can make so it is one of my personal secret weapons of keeping up with the industry if it's something you would like to check out you can swipe down on this podcast, if you're listening on iTunes and click episode notes, and there's a link right there to check it out, or you can go to bit.ly slash VPMass to check out monthly applications in Strength Sport. So here's another thing that I think a good coach needs to do. Uh, they need to meet the client where they are. So If you start out working in a gym with all of the walks of life people, this gets pretty easy to get pretty good at. But you don't want to um, treat somebody with a ton of knowledge like they're a noob. And you don't want to treat a noob like they should have a PhD in exercise physiology. And you don't want to talk to either one of those people uh, in a way that doesn't make sense for them. You don't want to, no matter where somebody is, you have to meet them there. You don't take somebody who's never counted a calorie in their life and give them three macronutrients and fiber that they have to meet spread out five times a day and be like, okay, here you go. Have fun. Um, Even if they ask for it. Even if they ask for it, which they do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot just give me macros i'm like you don't know what a macro is yet we're gonna get there okay we're gonna get there um so everything needs to be like steps there need to be stepping stones to everything you need to be willing to change the plan you need to be flexible um and all of that will come in hugely handy but i feel like we're getting super philosophical (laughs) so let's get back to practicalities of getting back in the door i think you had you had a point go ahead
0: Yeah, now here's something that I guess is somewhat debatable, but personally I've found it to be a very valuable experience for me to allow others to coach me even when I can technically coach myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can do my own nutrition, I have for years, but I still to this day I, I hire someone to do my nutrition because I just having someone else's methods and just learning from others basically And just being coached, I think, helps continue to challenge you to become a better coach. That's it.
1: I mean, you just nailed it. Like, getting... First of all, I think since I've been doing this, I've been coached by four, five people. Five people. um, And they all had something to teach me. Now, some of it was good, but some of it was bad. Like, some of it was like, wow, I... Never, ever want to be a coach like that. Um, And some of it was like, hey, this is a really cool system. Like, you're not really my style, but you've got some shit figured out that I can learn from you. Um, And then, you know, now I'm currently... We're both working with 3DMJ. You stole my coach. We're both working with uh, Nunez now. But... Wait a
0: minute. Back
1: up. Actually, he... Alberto totally restored my faith in the fitness industry in general. After Mm. my previous coaching um, experiences that were way less than good, I was really starting to believe that, like, there were no good coaches. And I was like, am I, like, offering way too much of myself to my own clients? Because other people are taking ten times the money that I'm charging, and they're giving, like, nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. And then started working with Birdo and I think, I can't believe it. I think we've been working together for like two, almost two and a half years Uh now, which is crazy. Um, But I remember the first time he sent me a message, I literally was like, oh my God. Like he just sent me a 15 minute message just talking to me. And like, he obviously listened to what I had to say and it was such a breath of fresh air. Um, And totally, literally, I cannot explain enough how much it just like put faith back in me in the fitness industry and also made me feel like, no, fuck yeah, there are people out there that really do care about their clients and do want to help meet them where they are and help them improve their lives. So uh, it gave me a lot more confidence in in what it is we do and kind of gives us the confidence to talk about what we're talking about right now, Um, because if you've had bad coaching experiences, like... There are good coaches out there. I swear to God, there are. <laughs> there's a lot of bad ones. I would say there's way more bad ones than good ones in my experience. But uh, And a following does not indicate a good coach. I'll just say that. But the experience of getting coached, I feel like, has been so valuable. Even from the bad coaches, there was so much to learn Um about like training style or nutrition style or communication style. Like there's so much value in that. And I have so many clients right now that are like fledglings in the fitness industry right now, like wanting to get better, wanting to build up clientele, wanting to build up a a presence on the internet or what have you. And I'm a totally open book with all of them. If they ask me anything, I'm not like hiding industry secrets or anything. I, you know, I want (laughs) to, I want us all to make it. So, and I know that some of them, they don't even need my help that much. They don't need help with their nutrition that much. They could write their own training programs, but they're learning so much about coaching by being coached, like you just said. Um, And I've been on both sides of that.
0: Exactly. And aside from being coached by others, I think it's also helpful to pay attention to other coaches Content that's out there because you can really grab bits and pieces of things and and make them your own, you know put have, have your own approach to applying them to your clients. So, you know, maybe you're not in a position where Where you need a coach and it would just kind of be an uh, the experience would it make sense for you? You know, maybe you're not working towards some sort of particular fitness goal Um But that being said, I think it's still helpful to look into what other coaches are doing and just, like, connect with the community that's out there.
1: The last thing that I want us to talk about is a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of what you know. Kind of coming back full circle to the certifications and your education, because I think there's a huge overemphasis on it and an underemphasis on, like, being a goddamn decent human being, but... You can't just be a good human being and be a good coach. But you can be a cyborg with a lot of knowledge and get someone really good results. So, like, you have to have the knowledge. So, what are some really, really good resources? So, for certifications, I'm going give to you, give you the three that I recommend the most. Would be uh NASM. Not because it's anything special, but because it's good. It covers a lot of ground, um, and you kind of have to have some certification like that. It's a good place to start. Two, precision nutrition. I preferred this to the plant-based Cornell course a hundred times over. I felt like it was much more evidence-based. It is not vegan-specific, but I I kind of like that. Actually, I'm not looking for a program to be biased towards veganism. I'm already biased towards veganism. I want to know what the science says. Um, And essentially, spoiler alert, the science says you could totally be vegan and be a badass athlete. And Precision Nutrition says, okay, here's how you would do that. Um, Of course, there's tests and stuff that mention chicken and eggs, and you have to get the right box to pass the test. But huge amounts of very practical knowledge there and the third one that I would recommend that I'm actually currently in the final module of right now which actually it does have a business module as well but it's shredded by science they're kind of revamping their whole academy right now and I'm not sure what they're going to do with it but I imagine they're only going to take what they have now and make it better. Hey guys, it's Danny from the future here. So, I just wanted to let you know that Shredded by Science Academy has rebranded themselves to the Personal Trainer Collective between the time we recorded this and the time it's going public. So, that is personaltrainercollective.com. And as I suspected, they're taking what was already great and they're gonna make it better. Um, and I have found it to be absolutely amazing. Um, personally, I haven't learned a ton from it because I've been doing this for so long. But the way they have it packaged and explained for somebody who hasn't been in this industry for so long, I think this certification could, like, crush all the other certifications. Um, So, yeah, those are the certifications. But I also think on top of certifications, you have got to continue your education constantly, constantly.
0: And as far as continuing education goes in our field, I honestly do not feel that there is anything better out there than monthly applications in strength sport, otherwise known as mass. And we actually have a link in the show notes should you want to look into that. And basically, you get evidence-based research and reports on the most cutting-edge information out there.
1: It's peer-reviewed meta-analyses written in layman's terms. So you don't have to be a scientist to understand this. But essentially, there's studies coming out all the time about, you know, is it better to have 0.8 grams of protein per pound or 1.2? Or Is it better to run before or after you lift? Like, there's so many studies coming out all the time, and we have these incredibly smart people. We have Mike Zordos, Greg Knuckles, and Eric Helms, and they are the writers of this magazine. There's video versions. There's audio versions. It comes out every single month, and it's written in a way that you can actually understand. And I have been uh subscribed to this since before it even came out and i read it religiously every single month or i play the audios while i'm doing my uh doing my cardio or what
0: have you but i always stay up on it what i really respect is that it's objective as one can be as as a human who's just trying to learn through science you know there's no there's no funding bias involved in anything Nope. the i mean they These individuals have literally said, hey, this information that we gave you at this one point, like what the science said 5-10 years ago, was wrong. We were wrong. And you will see that there there are people out there in the fitness industry... That will not say they're wrong. Whether they're beholden to sponsorships or whether they're just... They just don't want to be wrong that they refuse to keep up with the ever changing information and findings that are out there, but this monthly publication is constantly looking at new inform old information and and testing it and and new and there's new information out there and i i it's just such a valuable thing to consider keeping up to date with
1: and they did have two issues in the last few months that talked about um the ideal vegan diets for bodybuilding. They had two um articles in two separate issues about vegan bodybuilding diets which i thought was just absolutely amazing and i'll let you know it was over overall it was positive um positive articles which is pretty cool cuz these are not like vegan scientists here if you guys want to check it out and you don't want to look at the show notes the link is bit.ly/vpmass so bit.ly slash VPMass, and it's it's well worth the money. Um, the other thing, I guess I'll give myself a, a plug here, actually, <laughs> is I wrote an ebook back in 2014 about flexible dieting for vegans. So one the huge amount of questions that I get every day is like, how do you calculate this? how do you calculate protein? How do you calculate fats? How do you how do you come up with macros for people? And it is literally in that book, step by step, every single thing that I do, every time I'm calculating macros for, for people, it's in the book. That book is one of the things I'm most proud of that I've ever done. It's like 120 pages, I believe. Um, lots of suggestions on how to hit macros, how to Um, track your macros when you're eating out, like why flexible dieting works, which you might know why flexible dieting works, but can you explain it to somebody who doesn't know how, why flexible dieting works? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good book. It's on veganproteins.com. Uh, I still stand by that book to this day. And the last thing that I, if you have not read these books, shame, like (laughs) you should 100% read them, uh, the muscle and strength pyramids. There's one for training and one for nutrition, and they're both amazing. I actually think that my book, you could read that instead of the nutrition one. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, there there's more to the muscle and strength nutrition pyramids book, um, but mine is has covered similar topics and it's vegan specific. But the muscle and strength training pyramids. Uh, kind of flipped the way I thought about training right on its head. Um, it's way more in depth than I could explain here, but just suffice it to say that I like live and die by that pyramid in terms of how I write my training programs for people. Um, and I live and die by essentially by the pyramids and how I write my nutrition programs for people too. So cannot recommend those enough written by Eric Helms. Can you tell I really like Eric Helms? Um... (laughs) Eric Helms and Andrea Valdez, they wrote those books and they just released their like second or third edition this past month and it's awesome. So, yeah, I guess the takeaway here is like
0: keep learning. There's just so much information out there, you know? Yeah, there's there's stuff out there that is is well worth paying for, the courses, the books, the the monthly subscriptions and all that and and you know it's it's essential i i would say in many ways however there are also tons of free resources out there we're not the only ones yes we have our podcast and you know we're doing our blog now and uh and we're constantly um putting information out there to the community however we can but we're but like i said like there's so many other uh podcasters youtubers con- content creators that are are literally sharing all of their information because you know, like Danny said before, it's, it's a matter of putting the info out there and working together so we can all become better coaches. There's, there's plenty to go around. So I guess like, you know, and that goes the same for you. Like, don't be afraid to, oh, there's, there's other vegan coaches out there. Or another Like, no, there's, there's room for all of us to help others. One-on-one coaching is a very intense job. And, you know, when you're doing it right, you can only handle Working with so many people so believe you me when I tell you there's always room for another good coach and You know, uh, there are few and far in between so if you're looking to be one of them I encourage you to to check out the others like we mentioned out there like go to the team 3dmj podcast check out what they do You know uh, listen to de novo nutrition's podcast Uh, find find your your uh, favorite let's say you're into powerlifting go to reactive training systems Reactive training systems and look at all the information that they have out there like Jeff Nippard has a really great YouTube channel where he's constantly putting out evidence-based information There's just tons of resources out there and I definitely encourage you to to check out different resources and see what you can find
1: So yeah, that will wrap this topic up here for now, but you know, we might have opened more doors to more questions here, but like I said earlier, like we are open books about this. And if you have any questions at all about like more logistics or anything, really don't hesitate to ask us we do we really appreciate when you guys give us questions, it gives us more idea for more more content. And it helps us keep producing these for you. So never hesitate to reach out with questions. Speaking of questions. All right, we're going to move on to some questions here. This one is anonymous. And when should
0: you start cutting for summer? Hmm. I guess this is kind of relative, but, you know, it depends on what your starting point and what your goal is, right? But so I guess those would be the questions that you would want to ask yourself first. But and, and how experienced of a dieter you are is also important. And in general, though, I think it's better to diet slower because you're going to get better results. You're going to retain more muscle. So if we're looking for the summertime, I would say by the start of the year, start considering when you're going to plan your cut, maybe start to slowly scale back calories instead of just thinking in terms of having like a hard cut slash crash diet style, it it can and does work for some. And I think it's maybe something reserved for experienced dieters who have more to lose as well, but I, I think if you're I think more often than not a slower cut is not only helpful for maintaining muscle mass but also for one's sanity. The way I like to diet, someone is you you make them not even realize they're in a diet until they're already in it and then they're just fully committed. And I think that works time and time again for for just a, the best outcome possible. So I would say slowly start to scale calories back in the beginning of the year. I mean, I'm talking like as little as 5,200 calories and then just progressively get into it. And maybe by the beginning to the middle of the spring, then you can start to really pull back calories to cut for the summer. All right, let's grab a question for you, Danny. Let's see, what do we have? More anonymous questions. (laughs) Speak up people, we wanna know who you are. But uh, yeah, let's, let's get this one going over here. Overtraining, is that a thing, Danny?
1: Uh yeah, overtraining exists. It is a thing. It is very rare, but it is it does exist. You can overtrain, you can end up in the hospital from overtraining. But you can think of overtraining as the same thing as under recovering. So, there's overreaching, which is kind of built into any good training program. You're going to go through certain periods where your body is doing a little bit more than you can recover from in the gym. But overtraining, as opposed to overreaching, is when you're doing more than your body can recover from for a long, long time, months, many, many months. Typically where we see Overtraining is more an endurance training than strength training. Because if you quote-unquote overtrain strength training, let's say you're powerlifting and you're overtrained, well, then the weight is just not going to move. And you're very clearly going to be like, oh, I can't lift this anymore. Something is wrong. And you'll know. But with endurance training, let's say it's a marathon runner, you know, essentially you can keep running almost forever. You'll slow down, but you can do it forever without really feeling it. It's like every rep is a step, as opposed to the gym, where every rep, like you're doing a one rep max in the gym, you're doing like a four million rep max when you're running. You're doing a one rep max in the gym, so you're very close to your one rep max threshold. But when you're running, you could essentially take that step thousands and thousands and thousands of times, so you can't quite feel when you're fatigued to doing it until it's too late. So I think in general, it's important to make sure you're sleeping enough. It's important to make sure that you're eating enough to support your training. It's important to make sure that if you are dieting, which kind of in and of itself is under recovered, like you're not eating enough. um, You need to make sure you're not doing it for too long because that will look a lot like overtraining. But as far as actually writing a training program that's going to beat you to death, you can do it, but you'll know. You'll know really fast if that's what's happening. So I think most people lifting in the gym may be training too much to see the progress they want to see. But that, I would call that overreaching. You're overreaching too much. And, you know, a lot of people try to go really hard in the gym all the time. You know, it's like a go hard, go home mentality. But if you're overreaching too frequently, you're not going to make progress. Sometimes the right thing to do is to pull back. And that is actually... Re- it is harder to get somebody to pull back than it is to get someone to go balls to the wall. But still, I would still even call that overreaching.
0: Yeah, exactly. So just to be perfectly clear here, both overreaching and overtraining are bad. Let me back up for a second. Overreaching is necessary and is not bad, but you should only be overreaching for say a couple of weeks. Yes. For example. Yes. Once you overreach for more than a couple of weeks, it doesn't mean you're going to be overtraining. You need to be overreaching for like months on end. Months. And I think overtraining is something, and I think overtraining is something that is reserved for athletes who are intermediate to advanced. Yeah. Because as an athlete who is not intermediate to advanced is most likely just overreaching, feeling really crappy and fatigued, and then just going to stop. But an athlete who is advanced doesn't really know how to stop, like they don't want to stop, and maybe they can overtrain. But regardless, like, don't overreach too much. And if you're overtraining, like, you can be screwed up for a while, months to maybe even years. Yeah,
1: just I just want to touch on that one more time. Overreaching is an important part of any progressive training program. So, overreaching is important. But it's a very short period of time per training block that you should be doing it. Exactly. Okay, sorry. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. Please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube at Vegan Proteins and at Muscles by Brussels if you have any questions or you just want to continue the conversation. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Danny. And I'm Jacomo. And we will talk to you soon i yeah. yeah.